Morning Show, Sportsnet, 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning. All-star game in the books. Well done. Can't confirm. Uh, everybody involved in, in putting that together. Well done. Congrats all, including you, Tate McRae. Um, how did you feel about the, the myriad of jokes made about Austin Matthews recording his first two series victories uh, in his career? Yeah, good, good one, everybody. Real, real funny joke. Y'all were just dying to get to the mic or the, the Twitter fingers with that one. Good job. Uh, David Pasternak, all right, like well played by him. Everybody else out there, though, come on, what are we doing? So we, we kind of just talked like in passing about the Nikita Kucherov, just you know, kind of like dogging it. Yeah. Completely not caring about anybody in I attendance. I mean, factually participating in the all-star game barely but in name only yeah. right <laughs> and it was the, if you're going to point to one thing that wasn't the best it was that and it was reminiscent of a time gone by i suppose everybody else was like buying in yeah and there was factually also a million dollars on the line i guess nikita kucherov understood that he wasn't yeah and everybody maybe should have been as smart as nikita kucherov yeah. to understand <laughs> they weren't going to beat the best player in the nhl uh at the game that he devised <laughs> Connor McDavid <laughs> taking home the million bucks but yeah how much derision should we be aiming towards him and I, I guess he you, you can't say it's unprovable right mm-hmm. like if the NHL was like hey Nikita we're fining you a million dollars because that was embarrassing oh. frankly he'd be like what I did all the things number one bull bleep is what yeah. he'd be saying <laughs> just play the presser from after his cup but honestly shouldn't like Shouldn't there be a pretty harsh conversation towards the player or at least like, you know, the guys that were invested in this thing, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid pulling them aside and being like, hey, man, like, come on. Like well, you're you're the first selection in the all-star game. You're, you know, the Art, Ro- uh, Art Ross trophy leader right now. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, that's that's a horrible look. Come on. What are you doing? Yeah, it, it is a horrible look, uh, but I don't I don't think he cares. I think if you're going to get upset about this, you and I, I hand up, I did like I don't like it. it I think if you're going to give Matthews all the accolades for everything he put into the weekend, you got to kind of be equally as mad at Kucherov for trying to take it all away. You know, it's not the end of the world. I don't want to like I don't think it needs to be made into a 13 out of 10 issue, but. There's other guys on that team that could have been there in a world where every team has to send mm-hmm. a representative. None of those guys wanted to be there. You know, I'm sure they all had a beach vacation they enjoyed, but you're telling me Steven Stamkos, you would have had to twist his arm like really, really hard to come to all-star festivities mm-hmm. in Toronto. That would have been that would have been so tough for him or Victor Hedman or somebody, a Braden Point, somebody of that ilk. I, I again, like I don't I don't think it's the end of the world by any means. But yeah, I didn't like it. Like we want these guys to buy him. We want them to care. It's all we ever care about in sports is guys caring. And he he did the exact opposite. Yeah, and he got booed. As he would have gotten either way, either being way. a lightning player in the city of Toronto. What yeah. if, what if, you know, in his heart of hearts, he did it to tweak Toronto hockey fans that he's like, ha ha, I'm the best player in the world. Then he should have said that. And I, well, he kind of sort of, like he did talk about enjoying the derision headed his way. But yeah, if, 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 if you're going to go Hulk Hogan, <laughs> if you're going to be a villain, be a villain. Like don't, if, don't half, don't half ass it. Yeah. If he had explicitly said, yeah, I'm much better than that. I yeah. could have beaten Connor McDavid, but you know what? You guys don't deserve it. Yeah, I hate, the, I hate this team. Eye. I hate this team. I hate their fans. Next. Yeah. yeah. Guess what? Even I couldn't have riffed him for that answer. All right. So the Leafs were on the practice ice yesterday, a day after the All-Star game, mm-hmm. but that was proceeding the bye week. So they've, they've had plenty of time off here. Yep. But like, and I don't want to overstate this. 
And I, I do think a lot is made about, oh, travel for professional athletes and the back to back. It's like it's different than you and I. But there is there is something about the energy that must have been expended by Austin Matthews in particular, who's yeah. the face of the weekend, had a lot of obligations. Um, and he came through with flying colors and, and you know, acquitted himself very nicely. And like I said, is on track to maybe be the most famous athlete to ever play in the city of Toronto. If you're going to put on your prediction hat, how does it go second half here now that 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 he's had this incredible uh, spotlight moment, that he's on pace for 70 yep. goals, that this team is still, like, just from a points perspective, life and death to make the playoffs. How do you think the second half goes for him and this team in particular? I think for him, he's going to finish with his 67-ish goals that I've kind of been trending towards him finishing at. I don't think that's going to be because of the All-Star break, but I do think that in a world where maybe some guys are, whether you were away from the game for a week and you're sluggish because of that, like sometimes it, we talked about the Giordano of it all, sometimes it's hard to get the engine running again, mm-hmm. or you're a, you're a Mitch Marner, a William Nylander, a Morgan Riley, who, yeah, like you were dealing with it all, but you don't get the shoot coming out of it the way Matthews does. Like, he's got to feel on top of the world right now, and does he feel better than he did when the Leafs finally won a series? God, no, of course not, but this is different. This isn't about winning and losing. It's just about kind of the place you hold in the game, and how can he not feel great about it come, coming out of this? So I don't think that this weekend is going to be seen as a, a boon to his second half. I think that if the Leafs are going to maybe stub their toe coming out of this a little, which I do kind of expect, it's just been the way this team's gone, mm-hmm. I think that maybe he'll avoid that because of the boost he gets from the weekend personally. That's kind of the way I see it. What about you? Yeah, I I think that that's a lot. I think there's a lot that goes into being the face of an all-star weekend, being not the best player on the planet. Okay, that's Connor McDavid, and he also had his star turn over yep. the weekend in his hometown, or close to it, uh, not quite Newmarket, but God, I, close I, enough. I couldn't believe it. It's like, oh, for those who don't know, Connor McDavid's from not far around. Why are you watching if you mm-hmm. don't know? Like, I know, grow the game mm-hmm. and then welcome people in, but it just, it never ceases to amaze me when we're having like a university dissertation on hockey and then they got to come in and be like, there's a five-year-old sitting in the corner. We mm-hmm. got to explain to them what the puck is. And it's just, it drives me nuts every time. Yeah. I know. I, just I, a complete non sequitur I just threw at you, but it drives no, me No, that's, I... <laughs> Yeah, at, at least on the Canadian broadcast, it's, it's uh, hard to imagine people don't know the, the entirety mm-hmm. of Connor McDavid's life and career. But yeah, no, as far as Austin Matthews is concerned, I think there's like a mental toll. Like we've all experienced it. You have your in-laws over for oh, for a couple of nights. Like thank God they my, stay overnight. Mine are coming for dinner tonight. Yeah. What up, Rob and Sheila? <laughs> it uh, takes a little bit of time to... Get your bearings okay. again. So bear with me for the first hour of tomorrow's show, though. Okay. That's good, actually. It's good insight. Uh, time now for our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Didn't get to see our next guest in person, but that's, listen, it's not my fault. I, I had prior uh, children's hockey obligations. It's Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for DailyFaceOff.com. Did you enjoy our city, Frank? I did. You know, I was going to say, I never got a text, never got no. an invite. I was a Niagara. Of all the parties, never heard from you guys. <laughs> no. Well, that, that would, see, the thing is, is like, that would have necessitated me being like, Hey Frank, it's Brent. Do you have a party I can come to you with? Like that, you like I feel like you say it. You wanted to be my invite. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would have taken. I mean, not that I wouldn't love love to hang out with you. I'm just saying I didn't have plus ones to give. I needed to be taken somebody's Mm. plus one. So I didn't exactly like. I, I just want you to know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like. You didn't miss out on that much by not hanging out with Ben and I. All right. Here's where I'm at, and like I'm a little. 
little embarrassed saying this. It's great. But there was great obviously a lot going on the last few days, you know, extracurricular activities yes. <laughs> as related to All-Star Weekend. And I just, I was like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm not going to go to that. Mm, I'm, I'm tired. Well, I, I don't, but you, you could not be talking to a person that would begrudge you less for that. It's like, mm, didn't want to go out and do a thing. Want to go don't see Bieber? You. Nah. I, I'm. I love you for this, Frank. I. You know what? I get that because I. Yeah, I'm a. I'm a father, and I like. I'm about to be 40 years old, which is gonna be a mind bender. Um, but I and like my natural impulse is to like, oh man, but my bed, like, it's so much better. <laughs> but like, I do when, especially when there's like a one-off like that, Frank. Don't you? You don't feel that obligation? It's like, well, this is a once. Like, when's the All Star Game coming back to Toronto? Probably in another 20 years, and who know, knows where I'll be then? And it's. I can see Justin. You didn't feel that pull. At all? Not not really, because, like, there's a lot of anxiety that goes into that. Oh, yeah, and you're I love just, that. That's horrible. Like, yeah, you're right. The whole, I mean, I'm so glad <laughs> that I kind of took my foot off the gas on Thursday night. Like, think about what Friday morning was like. We have a trade, a coach firing, mm. and the Olympics announced along with a Four Nations face-off. It's like, almost like they knew. Mm. Like, ah, quick, stun the insiders while they're dazed. <laughs> well, I, I mean, for once in my life, like, I was like, hey, I'm a good boy tonight. Yeah, that's smart. Look at that, and look what look what you got out of it. So, like you said, I mean, a lot of news coming out of it. But what'd you make of the the week as a whole? I mean, you can lump the news in with it, the trade as well. Just a a busy, busy week in the the NHL, and you know, sometimes All Star weeks can kind of go. And this is in all sports; it can go both ways. It can be a kind of a slow period where everybody puts their feet up and relaxes a little bit, or it can be a period like this where you know maybe it's the fact that it was in our backyard that we feel this way, but it felt like a pretty impactful All Star weekend, and then you throw the news uh, in with it what did you just make in the last four or five days in the league yeah my head was on a swivel the whole time i mean the top two players from my trade targets board were moved um the the long and and pretty insightful press conference with gary bettman and bill daly um look there there's a i'm still kind of trying to unpack the todd mcclellan firing in la because it it's not that it caught me by surprise it's just the timing of it and then the decision as a whole uh, there's and then all-star itself like th- it was one of the better all-star performances that we've seen in the last 15 years and you know i'm kind of quietly giving some golf claps to to toronto the host i think putting it in a city that where it matters mm-hmm. like that's the difference maker no kidding yeah no, and it's a good way to go out because we won't have an all-star game the next two years, right? We got the... And that's okay, too. Yep. Uh, it's, well, certainly, yeah. If it means we get the Olympics back in our lives, that's that's certainly... And listen, allow me to to reverse my feelings on that thing if, if Canada finishes up the track and the United States is romping through everybody because I won't feel so good about that. But yeah, no, certainly putting... The uh, hockey back on uh, general sports fans' radars will will be... It's it's going to be important. It's going to be significant. And, you know, we had this conversation earlier on about an hour ago, Frank, about Austin Matthews and his star power and whether he's the most famous athlete to ever play for a Toronto team. I don't think he is now because I think at Vince, Vince Carter's peak when he was winning dunk contests, that guy was famous, famous, right? Um, and that's just the nature of the sport, but it's also the nature of, of just how how brilliant he was. Give me a sense of where Austin Matthews is on the North American sporting landscape today and how that might change if he's, I don't know, the captain, certainly the best player on an American Olympic team. 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to it's hard to compare because have you ever seen the graphic of the 100 most watched sports events yep. in the calendar year just, of 2020? I think it's just TV events and it's like all football and like the Yeah, election there wasn't night. one <laughs> hockey puck in there. So like it's hard for me to say oh he's he really hasn't transcended south of the border in terms of general mm-hmm. popularity. I, I mean, if you're a, if you're a casual casual hockey fan, He's one of two names you'd probably know, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. But outside of that, he doesn't – people might know him for being friends with Bieber. But, like, uh, other than that, there's not really a, a deep connection. But I, I think it's it's interesting, though, the way you've, you've framed it. Is he the most famous Toronto Maple Leaf of all time? I, I think he is already. Yeah, it's a, we were we were kind of kicking that around of like, what does that mean? Like, how do you compare Sundin's global fame to what Gilmore and Clark will wow. always be in this market? And Paul oh. Henderson, like, there's just there's also so the many. media landscape, right? Yeah. That we have social media now, and then yeah, well, he's just visible. The other thing I wanted to throw at you though, but the like the Olympics of it all is like, you know, I don't think a lot of Americans know speed skaters' names, but I know Apollo Anton Ono. Like that one is yeah. still stuck in my brain, right? And it's like the Olympics is different. Yeah. It's not. You're not watching hockey. You're watching America or Canada. You know, like one person from every sport. Yeah. But wouldn't he in a landslide become that guy? And it's the biggest sport in the Winter Olympics. You you guys love your skiing too. Yeah, but like it's it's the last one. It's the last event. The gold medal game is the last thing of the the Winter Olympics. And, And I think that's part of the calculus of this Olympics is having had them for five consecutive Olympiads and then now changing and going back to amateurs for a bit or essentially uh, minor pro or retired players like the IOC, they've realized that not having NHL players there, it's a totally different feel for the entire Olympics. Like it is the marquee event. Yeah, I don't think it's close. Yeah. No. Yeah, and, well, and unlike, you know, unlike the Summer Olympics, let's say NBA players don't go to that. It's like you still have your 100-meter dash. Like right. there are still other kind of marquee events. And, you know, I know there's some winter sports herdos who's like, ah, what about biathlon? But, yeah. like, I think we all... No, we no all one kinda, has ever said that. No, you're, you're right, actually. That's very true. <laughs> there are, and, and, and there are no winter Olympics sport hardos. You know what a hardo is? Is someone who does cross-country skiing. Yeah. Oh, God, I know a couple That's people. That's not even who, a sport. I know people who do that, Frank, and it's like, it's sickening to me. It just see like you're cold, going slow, and it doesn't look all that fun. I don't know. No, it's extremely painful. Okay. Why would anyone subject themselves to uh, that? You could just yeah. go down the hill, let the hill. Have you ever gone the wrong point. way or up the wrong trail? <laughs> oh my god! For a second. Oh my god! No. Oh, Nightmare. You hit yourself for the next hour. <laughs> you got to do like the chicken walk out. Oh, the- <laughs> feel absolute shame. <laughs> it's horrible. All right, I'm um, wincing just thinking. But. So you mentioned that this movement already. You know, we're we're a month away from the trade deadline, but lies Lynn. Home, John Monahan. Uh, hold on, before we get to the trade deadline, a little more, just one more on international. How do we think the that we're going to feel in terms of like comparing contrast of this Four Nations Cup versus the Olympics? Because the Olympics is going to feel bigger, it's going to feel better, everybody's going to be involved, but there's going to be no, you know, also Rands. There's going to be no thirteen-one laughers. I don't think in this in this Four nope. Nations face-off. Like, how do you think we'll view the the two tournaments when when the both of them are kind of in the rearview mirror? Well, there was a lot of, I don't want to say belly aching, but there was a lot of, hey, what about David Pasternak and what Czechia? about Drysidel? Yeah, well, yeah. What about Drysidel in Germany? And what about and what about like, no offense, like, 
that's not that's not what this is about. Yeah. And, Little and you offense, know what? Yeah. Maybe part of the the calculus here is that it didn't need to be a four nations face off. Maybe we could have just had a five game series yeah. of Canada US. Would have been fine. Like just take that and inject that right into my veins. Of course. Like what? Like what, no offense to Sweden and Finland, but yeah, it's fine that's not them. what we're going to be talking about here. In they don't this get offended in less than a calendar year. I was going to say, would they complain? I feel like they'd be like, well, all right, time to I be I mean, cold. everyone would, but yeah. like, okay, whatever. That's fine. My, my point is we're so hungry for this to get Connor McDavid in a Team Canada jersey for the first time in his career. I don't care if it's played on Mars and mm. they're, they're using uh, <laughs> a, an air hockey table. Mm. I, I just want to see it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I want to see it as well. Uh, again, I reserve the right to change my mind after I see it and it's Canada getting pummeled by the United States. Um, but yeah. So, well, I mean, hey, look, it's going to end up being a one-game final. <laughs> yeah. They need it's... to meet in the final. Like, that's going to be the bummer of all bummers if we just get to see them once in this round robin and not in the final. Well, that that's another kind of, I don't want to say missed opportunity, but it, it would, I think the structure would have been awesome had you had Sweden and Finland mm-hmm. in round one. Canada, U.S. round one, and then you switch for the semifinal, you know, winners and losers, and then some, you meet again for the final so that you have the opportunity for three mm-hmm. Canada, U.S. matches in one tournament. Yeah, we could have just done two best of fives. Like, just let them have a best of five over there with the Finns Well, then the that would have been equally enthralling. Yeah, in, in exactly. Fact. And then, you know what? If Germany and, and Czechia want to get so upset about it, let or them Czechia put... Czechia and Slovakia. Yeah, like, or, that's, who, that's a... or whoever. Let them go put on their own best of five. Like, it, well, I do we'll like... let Germany battle Switzerland. Sure. Who <laughs> who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As soon as Germans enter battles and just get a little mm. uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, moving on. Uh, that's... Yep. <laughs> trade markets open now um yeah and you mentioned the, the top two targets on your trade board off the board now i mean does that does that mean that more are to come or are we gonna have like okay th- those are one-offs and we wait until the deadline now like does it feel like trade season is upon us it does it feels like there has certainly been increased conversation and maybe that's kind of one of the magical byproducts of the way the NHL schedule is with the bye week is teams have gotten their amateur and pro scouting meetings done. GMs aren't flying all over the place to games. Everyone's in their office for a week. And while players are at the beach, the GMs are making calls. And I think that's a look right now. It's, it's not just, oh man, there's the top two centers are off the board. We better get in gear if we want to get a center. It's also, I can tell you over the last 48 hours, the goaltending market is percolating. There's lots of things that are in play that I think managers have mostly realized that this is a pretty thin trade market crop at the moment. And if if they're going to try and shake someone else loose, meaning someone that isn't, widely talked about or a player that has term on a a team that's a non-playoff team then they're gonna have to get creative and make some magic happen because otherwise i don't want to say the the group is undesirable it's just that i think we're not entirely sure how many difference makers are left 
Yeah, so let's let's dive into that a little here. I think with goaltending, you know, the reason why I think it's always so hard to make a goaltending trade at the deadline is, unlike a forward or a defenseman, I, I don't think there's much point in trading for the equivalent of a fourth line or a bottom pair goaltender. Do you think there's those guys out there that are actually available that could make a, a true difference? Is it more a lotto tickets like we're talking about? Like, what are we, what, what caliber of goaltender are we talking about in terms of, of being out there? I think we're talking about, 1B guys. And when I say that, I mean someone like Jake Allen in Montreal, who's mostly played with a pretty bad team in front of him and has had pretty good numbers the last few years. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's fair necessarily the way he's played this season to put him in this category, but I think there's certainly lots of intrigue about Jacob Markstrom. Um can is Jacob Markstrom a difference maker? Yeah, I think he can be. I think Jake Allen can be too. And I think with as both of these guys with term on their deals, mm. um, that to me is it's a little bit different. And I think the hard part that everyone struggles with is goalies typically don't bring solid returns to teams, which is why more often than not they end up hanging on to them. That until we see it, I don't want to say I don't believe it, but the last major trade for a goalie that involved a first round pick was 10 years ago, 10 deadlines ago. Who a was long that? time. Got to get Ken Hughes involved. If you want a first round pick, I guess. Well, Ken Hughes is involved. Oh, <laughs> Jake Allen. Yeah. Well, yeah. of course. Right. Um, okay. What about Chris Tanev, who people in this market have been pining for from beginning of the season and certainly the flames are open for business right now they don't have yep. a second round pick like is is chris tanev like is the would you be surprised if chris tanev goes for a first round pick i i would based on market conditions and trade comps and i i took a deep dive on tanev's game about 10 days ago on dailyfaceoff.com and and you know not to not to pat myself on the back i mean i would but my arm isn't long enough um we we nailed the comps for Sean Monahan. I was the only guy out there for a while saying this guy can he can bring a first round pick back. Mm-hmm. And I, I distinctly remember someone pretty well respected in the analytics community saying if anyone gives the Montreal Canadiens a first round pick for Sean Monahan, they should be committed to an asylum. That's a direct quote. But mm, get the bed ready. You know the comps we, we nailed the comps for the Lindholm trade too. You know, it's funny. Seasons change, players change, all these things change, but the comps more or less for that type of player and that role, they kind of stay the same deadline in and deadline out. And that's, if you look at Tanev and where his game is, and you look at the other defensemen that have been traded in recent years, he he kind of really lines up well with a second round pick and anyone that's asking, you know, Hey, you got to get a first for him. Well, I mean, the ducks didn't get a first for Josh Manson a few years ago and he was six years younger mm. and way better. Yeah. I mean, if, if the, <laughs> yeah, if the, do you th- expect the Leafs to be involved in the bidding for Chris Tanev? Uh, if, if the price gets exorbitant, only if they have, some belief or or knowledge that they can get a, an extension done. Mm-hmm. I think that softens the blow. But short of that, I mean, for a team that has traded away a lot of first-round picks, like I, I think 
especially with and this isn't a knock on Tanev because I think he's a great addition, but I I think he's like one of the final pieces on a true cup contending team. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to take this Leafs on his own. He he you would need to do it in multiples. You'd need to bring in multiple defensemen in order to really prop this Leafs blue line up and I think then you're running into the question of, well, is this the year then to try and move that first round pick? Or are we better off keeping it? Mm. Uh, Frank, we will be monitoring your Twitter account very closely over the uh, next month, checking out dailyfaceoff.com as well. Um, thanks for doing this today. Sorry we couldn't uh, get together over All-Star Weekend, but thank you for yeah, bringing... I thought, it was, I thought my phone was broken. Uh, I just was like, oh, maybe these guys just don't like nah, it. No, we just, we just love our houses. Well, yeah. you were busy. I, I, I just I love my house. I love watching my kid lose 8-1 in uh, three hockey games uh, in Niagara. So, yeah. Paying I, hundreds of dollars for the privilege, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> and thank you for bringing the term hangxiety to, to the floor. I'd, I'd never heard that one. Thank you. It's true. When As soon as you hit 30, you understand what it means. Oh, yeah. I very much do. Uh, thanks, Frank. See ya. See you guys. Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. Goaltending heating up. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. The good thing about a goalie trade is that you have to have a take on it one way or another, unless it's like your David Riddich where the Leafs are trading him to hopefully never dress him. Mm-hmm. It's like Jake Allen gets moved to a playoff team. You come to the mic with an opinion on that. That's a real thing that will mm-hmm. like impact it. Again, this isn't a, okay, they got a fourth line center. What does it change? Probably nothing. This, those moves, Peter Allen and obviously Markstrom, that'd be big, big news. Yeah, it would be a wild swing. He didn't mention UC Soros, who's not a, you know, you know, I mean, those guys have term as well. Yeah. But yeah, UC Soros just has one more year beyond this mm-hmm. one. And yeah, you want to talk about Askarov difference makers. lurking behind him. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Yeah, could be some interesting may, uh, moves made in uh, in that regard. And it's interesting to hear that, yeah, first round pick for goalie hasn't happened in a decade. Uh, at 2 p.m. today, the London Police Service will hold a news conference addressing the charges related to the case involving five players from Canada's 2018 World Junior Hockey Team accused of sexual assault. Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360 will carry that press conference live as part of an extended Jeff Merrick show today. So going past, uh, past 2 p.m., is uh, the Jeff Merrick show today. When we come back, we will talk to Dave McMenamin, ESPN NBA reporter, as the NBA's trade deadline coming your way on Thursday this week. This is the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning. Super Bowl week as well. Get into the Super Bowl as the week progresses. I've heard uh, play a big football game at the end of the year or something. Yeah, poor golf fans like yourself didn't get to fill the void no. yesterday with the final round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. There's live going on. <laughs> Were you tuning into that? No, I was keeping tabs, though. Okay. I don't know. Why? Yeah, it's a, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, who is the, the chief live ambassador of the Sportsnet 5 the fan, Sam McKee, was texting me about it, so I figured I'd check in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They played some golf, yeah. Uh, they also, the Grammys were happening yesterday yeah. in, the Lo- in Los Angeles. Uh, weather was horrible, as we mentioned, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, this is a big week, though. Super Bowl week. Mm-hmm. Leafs back in action. Yeah. NBA trade deadline mm-hmm. on Thursday. And this is finally going to be the deadline where the Raptors don't curiously acquire a player for a first-round pick. They send everybody out the door, you would think. Okay. Uh, And there could be some other players of note on the move. Let's talk to Dave McMenamin, 
ESPN NBA reporter. How's it going, Dave? It's going well. Uh, happy to join you guys. Thanks for doing this. So I, I know Rich Paul is, has told Brian Windhorst that LeBron doesn't want to go anywhere, isn't going anywhere. He does not have factually a no-trade clause. I, I imagine any deal involving him would obviously be in consultation with him. Uh, like, how close to 100% convinced are you that, that he will be a Laker beyond Thursday? Uh, I mean, can we go 101? Like, how high does the scale go? Yeah, yeah, of yeah to 11, like actually. Thursday. Goes all the way to 11. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Yeah, he's going to be a Laker beyond Thursday. Uh, and I I would say Dollars to Donuts, he's going to be a Laker for the rest of his career. Okay, well, picking up on picking up on that, I think there is some people wondering about where that kind of leaves the team, right? This has been the this has been the interesting thing about, you know, later career LeBron is that of course you'd rather have him than not, but you just have to operate in a way different than other teams do, be it with the gravity of him, be it with the salary numbers that that players like him command. What do you think is the best kind of roadmap for for the Lakers going forward in terms of competing? Because, you know, LeBron James wants to play in this league so long as he's great, but he wants to play in this league so long as he can win as well. Like, what is the, is that, or, or maybe instead of what is, is there a realistic roadmap to this Lakers team getting, you know, at least somewhat, if not significantly better, while LeBron James is still on it? I have a hard time seeing it happen with any sort of pull a rabbit out of a hat deal uh, between now and Thursday. Uh, uh, will they improve around the margins, try to find um, another wing defender to make up for the absence of Jared Vanderbilt? Um, perhaps look um, for you know some point guard depth. Uh, also, that's on their list right now. Um, can they pull it off without parting with that uh, 2029 first-round draft pick? Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I, the, the team certainly has interest in a variety of people out there. They've spoken in Toronto about Bruce Brown. The asking price was too steep um, from Toronto. Uh, you know, they, they were talking about you know D'Angelo Russell and a first-round pick. You know, um, is that going to make? Bruce Brown that much better than D'Angelo Russell right now? Like, you know, that these are the type of the conversations that the Lakers are having right now. And, and um, it, it's about, yes, you want to honor LeBron and honor this year's team by doing what you can between now and Thursday to get better. If you don't find the right deal, and I know it's a diminishing resource that is LeBron James in his prime, but you're going to have three first-round draft picks you can trade on draft night. Mm. Uh, that's all sorts of different conversations you can get involved with at that point. And you, you're probably better off um, if, if you believe LeBron's going to be a part of your team moving forward, which I believe that the Lakers believe, to try to find something then versus try to force something now. Well, what does that hinge on, him next season? And, of, of course, a lot of people trying to connect the brawny dots and, and where he ends up. But um, what, what, is it, what does it hinge on, uh, in your mind, him remaining a Laker beyond this season? Uh, you know, it's a combination of factors. Like, if this thing went off the rails over the final 30 games of the season and, and looked as bad as it did at some point as it had since the in-season tournament, uh, maybe you entertain the the conversation, but you know, his life is in L.A. now. There's going to be six seasons in, in L.A., right? Like he only did four in Miami, four in in 
Cleveland the second time around. Like this has been extending extended part of his career. Um, as for the Bronny thing, you know, if you've been paying attention to what he has said on the record, he shifted, and this happened last year. He shifted about wanting to play with on the same team as Bronny as share the court with Bronny, mm. uh, which really was coming off the pressure of, um, you know, um, I, I think a variety of reasons. Um, it, it takes some of the pressure off the Lakers from having to, you know, manipulate their future draft picks in a certain way to be able to draft them. Uh, but also it takes some, some pressure off of Bronny because, you know, listen, we, we don't know if Bronny's going to be in the draft this year. Yeah. Uh, so we're not that far removed from the hourglass tweet. Like, how, how do you feel, one, reporting on emojis? And two, like, if, is there, like, some – obviously there's some thought behind it, but, like, is there a an end game? Do you think when LeBron does that, is it just to mess with us? And did it have an effect? Do you think it's, it, it is a message that is uh, received by, by the Lakers? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, th- this is a tactic that has worked in his favor in the past. It's put some pressure on his teams. Uh, I can tell you before the hourglass emoji, from speaking to people in the Lakers front office, they're already feeling the pressure uh, prior to that tweet at 2.30 in the morning. And quite frankly, if we're talking tactically, if it, it's going to help their cause, uh, it's not because it reeks of desperation. It makes it look like LeBron is – basically demanding a trade of the front office to do something. And so any call that Rob Polinka makes that opposing GM that's picking up the, the, the call, uh, like you guys, Messiah up in Toronto, who has a couple players that get out the Lakers and Dennis Schroeder and Bruce Brown, he's working from a position of advantage because he's saying, well, you know, Rob's got to have to make this deal. So I'll just keep asking and asking and asking. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't help things, but at the same time, uh, LeBron is human and he is expending a ton of energy to be, you know, an unprecedented player performing at this level in year 21, 39 years old. And, you know, sometimes, uh, that human side fails him when it comes to the, the, the tactics of the business. Yeah, I can. I just, uh, not to double down on this, but I just wonder about your sensibilities of it all. I mean, your Twitter header is Larry David, and in your bio it says, Larry David just gets me. Doesn't it feel very 2024 to be tweet to be reporting on the tweet of a single emoji? Oh, yeah. I mean, it feels like alternate universe or something like that. I, I got a, <laughs> uh, an email from, uh, or a text, excuse me, I got a text from a, a Say, colleague. It's too old school to... email. Well, I went to journalism school, right? Like, I, 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 I have a degree in covering um, and reporting, you know, uh, and I was writing a story based on an hourglass emoji and pointing out in the story that the hourglass emoji wasn't just any hourglass emoji. It was one where all the sand has filtered to the bottom. Oh, oh are there multiple wow. hourglass emojis? Wow. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know that there were multiple hourglass emojis. We were making fun of all this, and look at that. You just did a little journalism for me right there. <laughs> well done. You got it, guys. Yeah, maybe, yeah, you can you can teach uh, yeah, a subsect of journalism school about the uh, reporting on emojis. Uh, so we keep mentioning the, the Raptors and Bruce Brown, the guy that they acquired uh, from the Pacers in the Siakam trade. 
and it certainly feels like he could be rerouted somewhere. Imagine that we've heard this before from Raptors teams in the past leading up to the deadlines, and no, instead of selling off pieces at last year's deadline, they acquired Jakob Pertl for a protected first-round pick. That, that, Yeah, since then, they've traded OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. D- does it feel like the, the Raptors are in an everything-must-go type situation before Thursday? Certainly, based on the moves that we've already seen them make this season, they are in the uh, future asset acquisition business. Um, certainly, there's nothing about this roster that screams win now, uh, other than, you know, don't try to compromise Scotty Barnes' future by, um, you know, pulling down to the studs too much where there's not enough to continue to develop with him and Darko and some of the other young pieces they have there. But, yeah, if the right deal is there, um, certainly I, I think you know uh, those two guys that I mentioned that the Lakers are of interest. I could I could see both of them um, being moved to a contender because both of them have proven themselves to be playoff ready type performers. Um, and and who doesn't need an extra wing uh, performer who just came off a championship last year with the Nuggets or you know uh, a gutty point guard who plays tough who can defend on ball and and make an open three into a shooter yeah obviously a couple of pieces that would be pretty interesting uh interesting to a lot of teams uh you know i I wonder what what uh the road holds for the 76ers now we see the news of joel Embiid. uh he's going to go under the knife now not ruling out the possibility of him coming back this season but you know i i'm i want to be clear i'm not saying the 76ers you know title window just closed but it might have. I mean, if Joel Embiid comes back and he's anything less than an MVP level player, I don't know where that leaves the the 76ers. And it had me thinking just about how kind of fleeting title windows are in this sport. You know, they can stay open for, for a long period of time, but they can also close quicker than, than just about any. I, you know, just thinking about the Joel Embiid injury there and, and what that does to the 76ers kind of title window. I mean, they obviously think it's open. Nick Nurse isn't going anywhere and Maxie's taken a big, big stride, but what do you make of the idea of just how kind of fleeting title opportunities can, can be in this league? And certainly that's not just to always steer back towards the Lakers, but that is a argument to be made for, Hey, uh, Anthony Davis is in his most, most healthy stretch yeah. at the Laker yet. Uh, been one of the most durable players in the entire NBA over the last calendar year. And LeBron, uh, you know, of course is doing what he's doing right now. This is not, you don't take it for granted. This isn't guaranteed. Uh, so maybe you don't wait. Um, you know, at, at the same time, you know, the the Lakers are viewing it like they have, they may get one more shot at, at a major trade while they have those two guys on their roster. They better make it right. And, and I think they're still a little you know, gun shy from what happened with the Russell Westbrook deal because it, it went so awry, went so sideways on them. But the Sixers, you know, it, they are going to have to trust their medical information that obviously they've been very um, close to the vest with so far. But if, if they think Embiid is going to come back in a month, then I think they're still fine. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, uh, you know, they are a, a team. I ready made as is. I don't even think they would need to, you know, obviously you need feedback, but I don't think they would need to make a subsequent deal where I would feel confident that, you know, yes, I would take Boston to be slightly uh, better than them, 
And I think, you know, the Knicks would be a tough series and Milwaukee would be a tough series and Miami would be a tough series potentially. But I, I, they would, I would say, like, Boston would be the, have the best chance of making the NBA Finals out of the East. Sixers would be second. So if you think it'd be coming back in a month, then, you know, you probably want to trade for a big because Paul Reed and Mobamba aren't enough. And let's say that it does come back, but you're going to do some sort of system where he's going to play one of every two games or something like that to manage the, the knee. Then you got to have a guy to eat minutes. So like, is Chicago going to break things down? Could you get Vucevic in Philly where he started his career? Uh, just as a, a competent guy to eat some, some minutes um, and play that game with Embiid if you're planning to come back. Like maybe that's the type of name um, that you could see moved. And I don't think it would cost you all that much, and they have plenty of assets from the Harden deal, um, but beyond stuff that, that Maury had already kind of stored up. Or they could you know, kind of swing for the fences, and they have the expiring contract with Tobias Harris, and we could see something – um, you know, even bigger. I, I would be more. I would be more surprised if it was something like that. Um, you know, let's say Embiid comes back in a month. He still has six weeks before the playoffs begin. Like, there, there's this is not a devastating injury based on the information we know right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that if the information changes. But but right now, I think Philadelphia is still in a decent spot. Yeah, and they they have enough standings equity that they could probably survive. Yeah, a month without them, the thirty and eighteen, the Warriors not so much. Um, and uh, Steph Curry's thirty five; it's not thirty nine. But yeah, I, what do you expect the Warriors to do as we approach the deadline? Because you know you see reports of different things as to whether they're going to buy or sell. Everything that I have heard, and I, I covered a game there actually at the start of this road trip, and then talked to some folks, um, you know, in the building in the Chase Center, and. It seems like they are honoring Steph Curry as their greatest player in franchise history and, and listening to, you know, his voice and his input. And Curry's desire is to keep the core of him, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson intact. And so, you know, basically that would suggest that, you know, the other pieces certainly you could try to move. But, like, what is the value of uh, Andrew Wiggins at this point uh, he's he's been very completely inconsistent ever since he got that contract extension after they won the championship over the Celtics. Um, you know, Kaminga's actually been on a really nice streak uh, recently, but that means you know you're if you trade him, he's on a cost controlled contract. Are you going to get another player in that salary range that could do what he's doing right now? Uh, Pajemski, another guy like who's having a nice rookie season, but he's not paid all that much. So you're not going to get all that much, you know, in terms of contract value back from someone else. Um, so yeah, I, my, my guess would be they kind of stand pat and really, you know, evaluate things with a fine tooth comb in the off season. Um, because to me, this, this group, it, it can't compete for a championship and Steph Curry, deserves another bite at the apple because uh, obviously he's still good enough to be the best player on a championship team. He just needs the right pieces around him. Dave, uh, thanks so much for doing this. And, you know, now that we have you here, I mean, we had a conversation after the LeBron James uh, hourglass emoji tweet. What was the worst? What would be the worst emoji you could have your star player tweet out? I, I thought it would be the poop emoji. Like, have you gone down that rabbit hole? Have you thought about the, the different emojis oh and God. what they would have meant? Are we are we cutting the grass of course prep for emojis yeah. 202 <laughs> in journalism school? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably subtweeting like uh, a you know Darvin Ham, right? So Darvin Ham, yes. uh, oh, sliced ham. LeBron was the tweet. Oh. Yeah, like a, yeah, he was gonna tweet like a pig emoji and like a coffin emoji or something like that. Like, that would not be a fun day at the office. I, for you, maybe very very fun day at the office for us. Just so we're clear. Yeah, uh, Dave, uh, well done. Thanks for doing this. Yep, you got it, guys. This is Dave McMenamin, ESPN NBA reporter. So you heard it from a man who would know who's covering the Lakers on a daily basis. 101% chance that LeBron James is still a Laker beyond Thursday, and he thinks for the rest of his career, despite, like, the cryptic, yeah, hourglass emoji tweets that are different than the other. I, is there an empty hourglass emoji? I didn't know that. I, I mean, I didn't know there were several ones. There's, there's two. We're getting the signal okay. from producer Jeff Hazaparty. There's two hourglass glass emoji tweets. But, yeah, that he specifically chose the one that had little remaining sand at the top part of it. So when I put pork into my emoji searcher because <laughs> right. ham didn't – it gave me hamburger, and uh, I don't want that. It no. has just the full pig, mm-hmm. the bacon – uh-huh. Or the just piggy face. Uh-huh. Which of those, if we're gonna grade emoji scales here, which of those is the worse of the I, uh, I, ham emoji? I think the piggy face is like embarrassing. I think the full pig body is worse, <laughs> in my opinion, because it's like you are a pig. Uh, I guess the pig face is too, though. Bacon safest of the three, but it's like then you're cooked. You're yeah. cooked ham. Yeah. So basically, what I'm getting at here is uh, this. It shouldn't have taken us this long to land here. If LeBron James is tweeting a pig emoji at his coach or about his coach without mentioning it, probably not good. I doubt there's one that's like pig face, thumbs up. Thumbs up. I give, don't give me the piggy. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think we're doing that. Or like maybe maybe when it's good, it's just like uh, what's the who's the pig from like Bugs Bunny and stuff? A, a Porky Pig mm. of him like dancing or something. Maybe that's what we get. Or Babe, nice mm. cute pig. To me, that's too on the nose. LeBron okay. James isn't going to do that. He needs his tweets, his emojis open for interpretation, right? Like that's he needs to true. have the air of mystery. Of course. And it's the you point can't subtweeting. You can't be LeBron James and and tweet something out without knowing that it's going to cause a stir. I do wonder like how calculating is it? And Dave's right. Like if you're doing it in the best interest of your career mm-hmm. and your team and their leverage and negotiating, <laughs> then it's probably He's not a the man one. of honor tweeting his emojis. <laughs> it's not, it's not great though, because yeah, I mean, you can interpret it as a, uh, an opposing front office as, Oh, you, you got to make this move. And Obviously, if you're negotiating, you, you want to leave open the possibility that you can walk away when your star player, one of the greatest players that ever lived, is tweeting out hourglass emojis. Hard to to deny that there's a little bit of pressure on you, which everybody understands, but it's just of like it's, it's something that is not necessarily yeah. needed. Could you imagine if Matthews did this before he was signed to the extension, just tweeting hourglass emojis and the you know, panic it would cause across the nation, uh, Leafs nation, that is, but still. It would be panic, but it would also content be awesome. Yeah, uh, I like, we're uh, in the Dave McMenamin situation, the right? Like, do that. Right, yeah. that it would be stressful, but it would be, I mean, it would be conversation on a different level than the NHL has ever had in and the again, history of think existence. That's why the best player in the league should do it, Connor McDavid, <laughs> not Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Who is closer yeah, to free agency the thing. than Austin Or Matthews. Leon. Anyway, mm. Yeah. Mm, interesting. All right. Maybe grumpy. a story for tomorrow. Maybe there's a grumpy uh, hourglass emoji. We'll see. Uh, we'll see actual NHL hockey tonight. Oh, my God. Can't involving wait. the Toronto Maple Leafs as they host the uh, New York Islanders tonight on Sportsnet. We'll uh, talk about it tomorrow.
on another edition of the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Good morning. <laughs>